Welcome to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. This week's guest is Tyler. Tyler is a big Soulsborne fan, um, and he has a relatively interesting story uh, about his experience with the Bloodborne DLC that uh, if you saw the Twitter preview video, you may have already heard, uh, and if you haven't, then it will be a very pleasant surprise for you. Uh, So thank you all for listening, and enjoy the episode. I guess I could say I wish I started with Demon Souls because uh, I really appreciate what that game did, and I played it after my most of my experience with Souls. But um, at the very beginning, I guess it just started with seeing Dark Souls one from uh, my best friend uh, Brandon. He just brought his uh, console over to just play some games over the weekend, and um, I just saw it like in a really childlike experience, like you'd see. Uh, like you hear stories of people saying, "Oh yeah, I just went to the Best Buy or, or the um, Blockbuster, and I was looking at the back of the box, and I just bought the game off of that." Um, I just saw that game, and I was really interested in it, just because it had like a weird aesthetic that I had never really seen before. You know, he was just in uh, Firelink Shrine, going down the elevator, and it had that weird, uh, that weird visual effect when you're going down the elevator, where it looks like it's like flying by, but you're going actually really slow (laughs) and that just really that just really stuck out with me i guess and it just left like a really weird imprint on me because i i had been playing games for so long but i had never really seen anything quite like that i mean he was not in human form so like he had this disgusting decrepit look to his character and everything just like it was the perfect storm to just get me like sucked in and (laughs) got the game on sale and just didn't stop playing it for weeks and weeks and weeks and (laughs) from then on it was just a complete obsession do you remember what that first build was like like did you go big weapons small (laughs) weapons or anything it's usually it's usually a pretty funny question because people's first builds are always garbage (laughs) so oh man uh thankfully i i played it pretty safe and just ran a regular knight character i think i used the elite knight set the entire game and like broad sorted it up for the entire game i i don't know what what uh, led me to not go for any crazy weapons because that's totally more my style, but I just kept it cut and clean night all the way through. And it, it felt good beating a beating Ornstein and Smo with no, no crazy weapons or anything, because at that point me and Brandon had, had talked our entire way through the game, sharing our experiences and stuff. And when he was talking up Ornstein and Smo, I was, uh, it's pretty nervous. <laughs> Did you guys do any co-op together? Like, were you able to actually play together? No, actually, unfortunately, we didn't uh, we didn't play online much, but I guess we kind of played like a weird kind of co-op where he would bring his console over to my place and we would have two TVs next to each other and we would just play the game simultaneously, which kind of was its own experience. Sure. Nothing really online. I like to keep uh, even back then when it was all new, I liked to keep it all fresh and like I was playing the game by myself. I wanted to beat the bosses, nobody's help, you know, that kind of thing, because I mean, it's Dark Souls. It's it's known for being difficult. So I wanted to like prove to myself that I could do it all by myself, you know? So, uh, when you like pick up a new souls game or do you try to jump in as blind as possible? I, I definitely play 
almost all, if not all, uh, games completely blind as possible. And when it is uh, like a, a situation where I can play multiplayer, or I can play single player, I definitely go through the entire game uh, completely blind by myself to get that like quote unquote intended experience, you know, because as 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 much fun as multiplayer is in the Souls games where you can team up and defeat the bosses by yourself and stuff, I think such a big facet of those games is defeating everything like by yourself, you know? Uh, but like I said, I definitely do appreciate the multiplayer now, uh, having beaten all the games uh, at least one time like by myself. But yeah, back then it was definitely just me and the controller, just no no summoning of uh, humans, no summoning of uh, the NPCs, nothing, just me and the boss <laughs> locked in a room and one of us is leaving. <laughs> Final destination, no items. <laughs> just, just, just you and the boss. Yeah, just me. We're uh, like your friend was obviously already kind of into the game a little bit. Um, was there yeah. a little bit of that like schoolyard? Hey, have you tried this or have you checked this this area out? Um, or if you do this, like you know, kind of secret sharing. Like I found a secret wall over here and it led me to this whole area. Was there any of that, or were you guys? Or was he kind of too far ahead of you for any of that? You know, I really wish there was a little more of that because I did have a pretty tough time playing through my first <laughs> my first time. But uh, not not necessarily. Uh, he. Because, like I said, we played like simultaneously next to each other for a while. Um, he wasn't that far ahead of me by the time I had gotten the game. And uh, there was a little bit of that. But for the most part, it was, uh, like I said, just me solo. Completely just going through uh, blind, no help from anybody. But uh, I, I really wish I could have gotten some help because uh, going through going through Blight Town was just an absolute nightmare, and some <laughs> some friendly tips would have made that experience a lot better. You weren't you weren't tempted to bust out a wiki or uh, look up some videos online or anything. Ah, uh, no, man. Playing games is like my one thing. I've been doing it like my whole life, and I appreciate this experience with games so much that I I think it's a disservice uh, to to play games with like wikis and stuff. You know, it's Obviously, I can understand, like, if you're just completely stuck and you have absolutely no idea what to do, where to go, how to solve a puzzle, how to do X, Y, Z, it makes complete sense to look up uh, what to do if you're really in that situation. But I I value uh, playing the game completely blind and really, it's just you and the game, you know, it's at the end of the day, it's it's just you and the game and you, it's just a game like you can do it no matter what. It's as as hard as it can be, like the archers or Ornstein and Smo, like as as hard as that stuff can be, it's it's all doable, you know. But no, I, I went through completely blind, really appreciated it that way. Um I really appreciate any game more that way. You know, it's I don't think the developers uh really intended you to like oh, I don't know what to do, so I'll just have somebody tell me what to do. Obviously sometimes that can happen, but uh no it it was it was a super fresh experience. I had never really played anything like Dark Souls before, um, so it was it was really special just to go through uh, completely by myself and figure everything out. And I think I had a much better experience for having done that. You know, yeah, it sounds like you were you were, that pretty much hooked you <laughs> from the sound of it. It sounds like once oh, you finished dude. that, you were like, "Yep, this I'm just going to keep doing this from now on." Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I had played games like that before, just because I had had hand-me-downs for most of my life like i basically retroactively experienced the evolution of video games 
uh, be through hand-me-downs. Like I started with the NES, got the Game Boy, went Super Nintendo and stuff. And at that time, uh, internet wasn't great. So I just kind of played games my whole life like that. And then by the time I got to Dark Souls, it was basically just a rule, you know? And I think I, I really appreciated it a lot more in Dark Souls because that game is so mysterious and there's just so many unexplained things that figuring out them, figuring those things out yourself is such a special experience, you know? Did you figure out a bunch of the stuff? Like, I don't, I don't know if the DLC was out, but, um, you know, figuring out how to get the, to the DLC is like a process in and of itself. But there's so many things in that game that I would, I would think would be really hard to discover on your own. Like, you know, the, like Ash Lake or, you know, any of the kind of secret areas in the, in the game. Did you have any success finding that stuff just or stumbling across it? Yeah, I really did, actually, because that at that time, that game was like my entire life. Like I woke up and I played Dark Souls or I went to school, you know, uh, supposedly. And I, I went to school, and I came back and I played Dark Souls until two in the morning and I went to bed and I woke up and I played Dark Souls. It was just it completely enveloped my life. So I had all the time in the world to figure out those things, banging my head against the wall just to figure out what to do, where to go next, and finding all these illusory walls and secret areas and all these weapons and the covenant systems and all that stuff, you know? it. And like I said, I just really appreciate that kind of stuff. You know, figuring it all out by yourself is is so much more satisfying to just uh, do it all yourself and, like, you figured it out. And at that point, it's, like, the reward of, like, finding a new area or the weapon you get at the end of... Uh, at the end of like a path it that is less so the reward and the reward just figuring it out yourself you know i think that's what i really appreciated with dark souls and although i do think getting to the dlc is a little convoluted and <laughs> might i say uh poorly designed um i do appreciate still banging my head against the wall for however many hours it took to figure it out myself as as much as i would have liked to just type in Hey guys, uh, how do I do this? Please tell me. <laughs> you know. So did uh, were you playing the game before the DLC came out, or were you playing like the Prepare to Die edition that had it included with it? Yeah, I played it before the DLC, and when the DLC dropped, uh, bought it day one, and you know, took however long it took to get to it. But <laughs> and you didn't I look got up there, how to man. get to it. I would have driven me. I mean, that I did drive me crazy. <laughs> Dude, I know. I I had heard that it was convoluted through my friend Brandon, but. I just didn't give up, man. It it was definitely an experience to get there, but it took me it took me I probably didn't get to the DLC until three weeks after it released and I <laughs> bought it day one. <laughs> There's definitely some time wasted, but I love it. I remember trying to do the same thing where because uh, I was so excited about the DLC and it had been been on PC for a couple of months before it came to console, which yeah, is why yeah. I uploaded it and I was like you know, had to shut down all social media stuff. So I didn't get spoiled on any of this stuff. And then I was like, okay, yeah, I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to discover this myself. And then I spent like, I don't know, 10 minutes looking around and I was like, fuck this. I just want to play it. <laughs> I'm just going to go look it up online. And I, know. Get into it. <laughs> I know, dude, I know it's so tempting to do that. But like, like I said, dude, I was so enveloped. I had nothing else going on in my life. Like I went to school, I came back and it was just dark souls. I dropped everything else for it. I had all the time in the world to just relentlessly bang my head against that stupid wall and it, <laughs> it took so long but man i got to it and i think that dlc might be might be one of one of the best uh purchases i've ever made like for a game after the game you know oh yeah yeah it's 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 
I think some of the Bloodborne DLC gets gets up there with just how good the boss fights are. But absolutely, you know, th- yeah, that yeah. that whole like you know discovering the the chain of events that you discover in the Artorias DLC is just so good. Like going into the yeah. uh, the forest and realizing like ah this looks really familiar to me. <laughs> I know where I am. And then yeah, yeah, you know seeing Artorias for the first time and then descending into the oh, abyss man. literally. Like I mean, and those seeing those giant humanity sprites for the first time and like, what the fuck is going on here? I know, dude, it's, it puts so many things into perspective. And even as someone like me who wasn't as interested, like in the lore and stuff that made me interested in the lore playing through that DLC, you know, it's, it puts so many things into perspective and it just gives the entire game, which already had this like depressing atmosphere. It just made it so much, so much more accentuated, you know? It's it's crazy how how much stuff is in that DLC that. It, so it just, up to that point, you weren't really paying attention to the to the story or reading item descriptions or stuff like that. It was more about the atmosphere exploration for you. Uh, I think that was more of a focus for sure. Um, but I do I did spend a lot of time reading through that stuff. It's just I wasn't I wasn't like Fatih Vidya, you know. I wasn't like getting completely enveloped by that side of it. But mm-hmm. I do I did think it was extremely interesting and after the fact, you know, playing through the games second and third times and fourth times, that became a, a much higher focus for me. But uh, through that first time, it was basically just the atmosphere, just the exploration, just the combat, you know. How much How much does your uh, rule to not look anything up, like, come into play when it comes to the story stuff? Like, are you combing through item descriptions yourself and trying to put together the plot? Or are you just like, okay, yeah, I'm just going to go watch the body video on, on, on who the hell this guy in the onion armor is? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I like reading item descriptions and that kind of stuff. So I like putting stuff together like that, but because it wasn't so much of a focus for me, I wasn't like trying to piece together an entire story. I was just taking things like as they came, you know, I was like, okay, I picked up a new item. I wanted to read the description for it anyway, because it's a new item and I'm interested in every facet of this game, you know? So I was reading things like that and, uh, putting things together slightly, uh, very lightly, uh, through the entire playthrough, but it was much more after the fact where I was like, okay, I've done enough on my end. I am really interested in what other people have pieced together. And that's when I got completely enveloped with like the lore stories and the, the uh, prepare to cries and you know, you know, all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. You met, you mentioned multiple playthroughs. How, how many times have you played through dark souls one since you started it? <laughs> Good question, man. Okay. Next question. <laughs> It's uncountable. Like there's there's no way to count at this point. I mean, I have through through so many files on my 360 and then the remastered edition. Like it's just it's it's uncountable. It's I've played that game enough. <laughs> it's enough. <laughs> enough that you don't actually want to say the number on a podcast so that people can hear about it. <laughs> hey man, when we start talking about Bloodborne, I'll be much more open to say how many how many days I have in that game. But uh yeah, Dark Souls 1, it's I have so many playthroughs that have gotten halfway and then I just got interested in another game, but that first file is still there. And like, I have just so many other files there. It's just, it's just a pile of like these dead, these dead undead, just no longer in the world, just like sitting in Firelink somewhere in the ether. So what was the, did you, did you try to go back to Demon Souls next or were you, uh, were you around for kind of the, the Dark Souls 2 announcement and the build up to that release? Yeah, so I didn't have a PS3 uh, basically until I graduated high school because um, 
I was just an Xbox 360 kid because like, I played these games when I was relatively young. Um, I'm 21 now, and I played them when I was uh, played Darman, uh, D- Dark Souls 2 at release. So I played uh, Dark Souls 1 sometime, obviously, before the DLC. Um, mm-hmm. So I played them. I played them sequentially. I played them as they came, except for Demon Souls because I didn't get it until much later. But uh, played Dark Souls One DLC, Dark Souls Two uh, as as it released because I had a I had a friend uh, through school that was so pumped for Dark Souls Two that although I was still enraptured by Dark Souls One, uh, Dark Souls Two started became uh, a much bigger blip on my radar. You know, I wasn't really worried about. Uh, looking up trailers or having anything spoiled for me because I like going into things blind. Uh, I was just like, okay, Dark Souls 2 is coming. I'll play it, obviously, when it comes out, and we'll go from there. And uh, But having said that, I I do have a very special place in my heart for Demon Souls because I think that game did a lot of things that the rest of the series kind of forgot about. And if you want to talk about that, I'm I'm definitely down. Demon Souls is an extremely unique experience, and I think uh, the rest of the games definitely chose to not uh, attack the same type of things because Dark Souls one through two through three and Bloodborne they uh, they all kind of devolved to me at least uh, into into just the combat, you know. But Dark uh, Demon Souls it gave you it gave you something you couldn't get anywhere else. If you know what I'm saying, like like old monk, like I can't I can't go to a different game and play old monk in any context. But if I want to fight a crazy giant boss and roll through attacks and attack weak points and stuff, it's I can pick any of the games. You know, what what is it specifically about the old monk that that is in your mind not replicable replicatable in a, another game? Maybe it's not. <sighs> Man, maybe it's not how replicatable it is, if that if that's a word. It's uh, definitely it's not, by the, the way. It's game... definitely not a word. I just invented <laughs> that on the spot. So. Perfect. I'll roll with it. Uh, it's definitely... It might not be how replicatable it is. I'm just going to roll with that word. Uh, it's just that the games chose to focus on such a different aspect of, of those games. Because, you know, Demon's Souls, it felt so different. Man, it's it's been so many years since I played that. Demon Souls, I didn't get as enraptured by with Dark Souls One because I was just a little bit older and I had more things going on. You know, it's just natural how that worked. But uh, ah, oh, man, I think Demon Souls is much more focused on like the multiplayer experience of it for one part because there are uh, aspects of it where um, the multiplayer is a little more focused on. You know, with certain bosses. And um, I think Demon Demon Souls did something different, and Dark Souls definitely evolved on that and turned it into a much better game. I do think Dark Souls 1 is a better game as, quote-unquote, objectively as you can get uh, with the design of the world and the design of the enemies and bosses and stuff. But uh, Demon Souls did something completely unique for me that I can't get from Dark Souls 1 or 2 or 3 or Bloodborne even, even though I like those games more. If you catch what I'm saying, I I have very scattered thoughts on Demon Souls, and they're not as focused as they are for uh, the rest of the series for me. If you couldn't tell, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's something about Demon Souls which I think I think it's the combination of the atmosphere and the relatively old hardware at this point that it's it's that it's it's running on kind of gives it almost a surreal dreamlike quality when you're playing it. 
and and yeah. everything just feels like just a little bit off. Uh, and I think that the, the rest of the games, Bloodborne gets this to a degree, but I think the rest of the games feel a little bit more grounded. Um, yeah, in, in that because blood, you know, Demon Souls, you're ostensibly it's a like a medieval fantasy RPG, but then you start getting into like some really strange era areas like the Shrine of Storms or Latria, and you're like. This is not what I expected from my, you know, dragons and swords RPG game. Uh, So, and the the rest of the games don't don't really like live quite up to that. Like uh, blood, like I said, Bloodborne does to an extent, but I think Demon Souls really captures that since it it evokes that imagination. Like you, you just wonder what the hell else is going on in this world. Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. I like I said, I have really scattered thoughts on on Demon Souls they're not as focused because I played it at a much later time and I wasn't completely enveloped by it you know but there's definitely an aspect to Demon Souls that just can't be replicated in the other games for for whatever reason it is because they obviously chose to focus on the world uh the interconnectedness of it and then like the combat so much more in the other games and it's it's things like Mikolash and Bloodborne that are much more reminiscent of something from Demon Souls, if you know what I'm saying. Like chasing a crazed lunatic through this maze reminds me so much more of Demon Souls than like any standard Dark Souls boss, you know. And it's like that's why I like things like Mikolash is because it's it's so unique. Like how could you how could you do a Lovecraft game without chasing a, a maniac? scholar through like his his giant maze mess of a castle you know it's (laughs) it's it's unique experiences like that where where i do really love the combat as simple as it really is like in hindsight uh it's things like mikolash or old monk or you know the stuff stormbreaker it's like it's there's just so many unique experiences that these games can offer and i feel like they've devolved into okay roll through this guy's attacks attack him repeat and now you're on to the next boss, you know, which I still enjoy for what it is. But I do really appreciate those unique experiences that Souls used to give you, you know. So so let's talk about uh, when you finally picked up Dark Souls 2 and you, you, you managed to put down Dark Souls 1 for the first time. Dark Souls 2 can be a very <laughs> d- divisive game for a lot of people. Uh, where, where did you, uh-huh. like, what was that experience like going in blind like you you, you like to experience this and not having any, anybody to prepare you for the <laughs> the drama. <laughs> yeah, the drama. Um, yeah, so um, that friend that I mentioned through, that I had through school uh, got me, got me super pumped for Dark Souls 2. I'm um, really appreciative of that because, like I said, I, I probably would have just kept playing Dark Souls 1, uh, bought Dark Souls 2 on release, played it through, but having that hype behind it kind of makes it just, that little bit more of like a, an experience like oh man I'm chomping at the bit to get dark souls 2 i can't wait whereas before it was just like okay dark souls 2 is happening obviously they're not going to just make dark souls 1 and then just drop it so it's coming sometime and i'll play it when it comes out uh but yeah dark souls 2 uh wow i i really loved it <laughs> loved i loved it um at release uh, i was almost as enraptured with it as i was dark souls 1 uh I really liked the aesthetic changes. Uh, I really liked the world because as much as I love the interconnectedness of the world uh, from Dark Souls 1, I kind of like how Dark Souls 2 didn't make as much sense physically, you know, Um, which is apparently a point of contention with a lot of people. And I I played that game so, so much. Uh, Went through the DLCs as they released. Um, But I don't have as much of 
like an emotional attachment to it as I do Dark Souls 1. Dark Souls 2 felt more like it was just continuation and a natural continuation where I was just playing a new game. Whereas Dark Souls 1, it was like an otherworldly experience because it was my first experience with something like that. But uh, I I think Dark Souls 2 does get a bad rap for a lot of good, well-explained well reasons because there are a lot of issues with that game that I don't think are in the others. But looking back on it, I really do value and appreciate my experience with it. And I, I do enjoy it for the game that it is. Maybe just not for the same reasons that I enjoy Dark Souls 1. And I don't think you can really complain about a game not giving you the same experience as another one did. Because that's just unrealistic, you know? You you definitely can complain about it, as the internet has proven. <laughs> Whether or not you should is, is a totally different question, yeah. I think. Yeah, bad wording on my part, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 interesting. Like, um, it's you know that that game is. I think the expectations were so high, and they were they were so much that uh, when it when it eventually came out, people just had no idea what to do with what it actually was. And I think we've seen over the last few years, Dark Souls Two begin, especially with the Scholar version, get more be be a little bit uh, a little bit more praised for for what it is rather than what it was expected to be. Um, but man, at the time yeah. it was, it was, it was really weird playing another Dark Souls game. <laughs> Let me tell you, like, it was just really strange and having yeah. it be so dramatically different, even, you know, within the context of the series, of course. So did you, uh, obviously you, I'm, I'm assuming that you did like all of the DLC and stuff like that as, as it started coming out, were you able to do your same thing and, and prevent yourself from looking at Wikipedias and videos and all that stuff? Like you, 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 you kept it completely clean. Yeah, man, completely blind. Um, thankfully, the DLCs aren't as convoluted as Dark Souls 1 uh, to get to or to complete, you know? Uh, they're a little more straightforward, uh, which I, again, I value, so I don't have to bang my head against a, a wall for a couple hours just to figure out how to play the thing I bought, you know? Uh, but yeah, same thing. Uh, play through completely blind. Uh, I really think that is an overlooked aspect of these games playing and all games really just playing through completely blind and making your own experience. You know, I think with the internet, it's, it's all become so easy to have things spoiled for you and have things explained before you even get your hands on it. And even maybe I'm a, a, a special case because I, I consider a lot of things that other people wouldn't consider spoilers, spoilers for me. You know, I don't want to know absolutely anything about a game before I go in as, as much as possible. And uh, if we start talking about uh, Sekiro later, maybe I can talk a little more about that because, uh, wow, I'm pumped for that. But I, again, I know almost nothing. And other people have made 30-minute long videos about dissecting what we've seen so far. But uh, yeah, Dark Souls 2, um, I do think it gets a bad rap, you know? It's, though not perfect, it's for what you get in the package, despite maybe some wonky hitboxes or some wonky uh, movement the way the movement feels that's basically my main complaint it's like it feels like you're underwater uh, <laughs> but past that past that it's like I, I i do really think it all comes from the comparison from dark souls one and again comparison is you know it's the bane of a lot of things existence you you can't compare rubber soul to sergeant pepper you know it's it's they're two completely experience different experiences and you can't can't complain you can can shouldn't <laughs> but you shouldn't <laughs> i'll focus on that wording a little more um I mean, i'm curious once you like play through dark souls 2 for the first time was it uh 
was it hard to keep playing that? Like, did you have the desire to go back to Dark Souls one again, since you had that that kind of emotional connection to it that was missing with Dark Souls two, or were you so happy with all the new stuff and wanted to experiment that you kept going with DS two? Um. So, with Dark Souls one, uh, the the multiple playthroughs just came from wanting to play it more uh, because of that emotional attachment. I, I felt so connected, and I felt so like part of the world that I wanted to just keep coming back. Whereas Dark Souls 2, I just wanted to keep playing it because I thought the game was fun and there was more stuff to find and there were more things to do. And I'm I'm somewhat of a completionist. So finding like all the boss armor and buying all that stuff up and having a giant collection of all these items and reading descriptions and all that stuff. Uh, replaying Dark Souls 2 was much more just for the gameplay and... You know, bonfire aesthetics uh, made that a little, little easier so I could refight bosses and stuff like that. So it was much more gameplay focused, which is weird because I think I enjoy the gameplay and bosses design uh, in Dark Souls 1 a little bit more. But Dark Souls 2 made it a lot easier to uh, replay certain things rather than starting an entire new file, you know? Yeah, bonfire aesthetics are, are a hell of a thing. Definitely. They're really smart because that's a thing that I think everybody at this point wants in Dark Souls is like a boss rush mode because... That's a, a huge draw to the games is these giant unending bosses. Well, not unending, but like these unrelenting bosses that just whittle you down. And that's such a big draw to the games that I think something like that, though it is uh, a little out of character for like a separate mode to be in a Dark Souls game or a FromSoft game. It's uh, it's something that I definitely value and bonfire aesthetics are just a genius addition to me. Have you seen that uh, there was a mod that went around recently, obviously for the PC version, that was essentially a yeah. boss rush mode? I thought that was really, really cool. I, would, I get I get kind of uh, jealous over the mods that the PC version gets of Dark Souls 1 because I just I don't have a gaming PC to play any of that stuff on. So I'm very curious. Hey, about man, we're in the it. same boat. Yeah, I'm definitely super interested in a lot of that stuff. And when I do eventually, eventually save up the money and build like a, a competent gaming PC, I'm I'm going to I feel like I'm just going to get completely enraptured by Dark Souls 1 again because these mods I do think something like a boss rush mode could add so much to Dark Souls 1 because those bosses specifically Dark Souls 1 are so memorable and so interesting like I if I could fight Sif over and over again I'll pay a 20 I'll play 20 bucks to just do that. <laughs> I guess you could save scum it on PS4 now, right? Like with the well no, I guess you you'd have to just do that for and then yeah, never mind that wouldn't really work out that well. <laughs> They, they really thought it through, man. You got to play that game over and over again, experience it again, which is in its own right, its own thing, I guess. But Bonfire Aesthetics can't beat those. Yeah, I, I, that life gems, power stancing, uh, like the, the power like, stancing, man. Ugh. Power stancing is so good. Like, why, why do we not have power it's stancing so cool. in every video game now? <laughs> like, give me some weird ass every power game. stancing, please. Give me power stancing and. Phantom Pain or World of Final Fantasy, man. I want power stancing and everything. <laughs> you it's have so two of these weapons. Now now you can do some weird shit with them. Is is very appealing to me. Dude, I love little stuff like that. Just little uh little changes, just optional things that you can do. Uh just like adding an entirely new moveset. Like it's also interesting, you know. Adds a new uh adds a new dimension to every boss fight, every enemy encounter. 
so from uh, from Dark Souls two, obviously you're still playing that on 360. Um, there's not a long amount of time before they 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 started kind of teasing, and then they announced Bloodborne uh, for the PS4. Was that your first? Uh, okay, now I have to buy this Sony platform. <sighs> oh, geez, uh, Bloodborne is where Bloodborne's where we get into the nitty gritty. Um, I had planned on getting a PS4 anyway uh, from the beginning because the next generation of consoles is coming out. PlayStation looked uh, like it had a better footing. Uh, as we all know by now, the Xbox One is definitely uh, the little brother in this situation. Um, so I had planned on getting a PlayStation 4 before, and uh, Bloodborne, wow, I don't even I don't even know where to start. Um, I guess we could start at Project Beast. Uh, I saw that trailer and was I was like, whoa. Just whoa! I, I didn't know what to say. I was completely taken aback. Um, new FromSoft game, Project Beast. The aesthetic is much more my style, like Lovecraftian, black, dark, gritty, like Victorian era London look to it. Um, I was completely enraptured by that first trailer, uh, and wow! By by time release came, I was the most excited I think I had ever been for a video game. It was like every piece of Dark Souls and Dark Souls 2 all wrapped into one that I loved, but with this new look to it and this new feel, it had like a completely different atmosphere. And I got my PS4 and I got Bloodborne. I popped it in, played it for a few hours, and then I fell out of it. <laughs> <laughs> really? I Yeah. Uh, Bloodborne's a really interesting story for me. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was... Um, I don't know if it was other games taking precedent. Maybe I was in the middle of a lot of other things at the time, but as much as that game was a perfect storm for me, I played it for a while. I think I got to, um, I think I got to uh, the Bloodstarved Beast, maybe, maybe around there. And I just fell out of it. I don't know what the issue was, but I fell out of it. I stopped playing for a while. And it was maybe maybe six months or so before I had finished doing whatever it was I was doing that took up my time rather than dumping it all into Bloodborne. Maybe it was like a subconscious hate for the loading screens. I'm not sure what it was, but I couldn't get into it. And it took me a few months before I could sit down. And then at that point, I, I, I started dumping, dumping hours hours of my life in the bloodborne and <laughs> now i sit here with over over 700 hours in bloodborne and i platinum the game it's the first game i ever platinum maybe other than like a few indie games like fez or something um i i platinumed it i i sat through all all the uh oh jesus i'm blanking just thinking about all this stuff um all the uh the Chalice Dungeons? Oh, my God. Chalice Dungeons. Jesus Christ. Why can I not think of this? I have my notes in front of me, and I'm just blanking. Uh, I, I toiled. I toiled through the Chalice Dungeon. You can ask my girlfriend. I was getting really furious towards the end of those. I just wanted them to be over. Uh, I platinumed the game, and now it's by far, far and away, my favorite in the Soulsborne series. Uh, I think it's also... I think I can make a good argument as to why it is uh, the most well-designed um yeah bloodborne jesus talk about talk about an experience uh that game is something special to me i think it has everything that dark souls one had and it just amplifies it It has the connected world 
but it has it in like these separated chunks that I find pretty interesting. Um, it has that, that aesthetic, that killer aesthetic, man. That game is probably, though the frame rate is low, I think that might be one of the most visually impressive games I've ever played. I'm I'm curious. Let's zoom in on that that month period or that the several months in between you putting the game down for the first time and then picking it back yeah, up man. again. Is, was it just kind of in the back of your head, like why haven't I played this, or was it something that you were actively thinking about, or was it something that you just put out of your mind entirely? God, man, it's it's so long ago now that I really can't even remember. But all I remember is wanting to play it, but I just didn't have the energy. I don't I don't know what it was. It was. Like I said, it was like Bloodborne was the perfect storm. Like I'm sitting here with my copy looking at me right here. I have my phone wallpaper as a Bloodborne background. I have my laptop wallpaper. It's Bloodborne. <laughs> I, this game this game is everywhere for me. Like I don't know what it was. I don't know why it took me so long to fall so in love with it. And it's weird because I enjoyed the experience up to Bloodstarved Beast or wherever I stopped. Maybe it was Gascoigne. I don't know. It was... I enjoyed the experience, but nothing nothing hooked me and like kept me playing past that point. I'm not really sure where it was. Uh, maybe I just plateaued and didn't know where to go, and I didn't have the time to to put into it at that moment. I don't I don't know, but I think maybe subconsciously it was in the back of my head the entire time that I wasn't playing it because by time I turned it back on, it was there was no turning back. You know, it was me and Bloodborne the entire way through until the very end and then the dlc and then the child's dungeons after i learned about what those are and then collecting all the armor and finding all the secret areas and like going to um finding like canehurst and it's like this game just turned into like its own thing for me um i hold it so far above the other games in the series and i hold it so far above other games in general and i've been playing games my whole life and it's like this game is such a unique specimen to me like it does so many things that other games can can improve on and stuff and it just it's the perfect storm of everything i love like the aesthetic and the gameplay and something i really appreciate about bloodborne is how focused it is it's like snappy just it's combat and like the regain system or whatever it's called my brain is absolutely frazzled right now uh <laughs> yeah regain is right yeah regain uh dude that game it just has so many things that it's like how could other games not have thought about this before like there's so many genius systems in it like the the weapons oh my god like trick weapons is such a cool idea that's like power stancing like to a different level and oh my god i could talk about the game for hours it's just like i don't know what that game did as a whole to just make it so much better than all the other games combined but it's like it feels like all these tiny little pieces that were like, oh, Dark Souls one didn't do that, or oh, Dark Souls two did that, but Bloodborne just does it better. You know, it's like the perfect storm, man. I I don't know how else to describe it. It's just it's like it's my game, man. It's just it was like it was made for me. What's your favorite weapon? Oh my god, you know, Whirly Gig Saw is definitely the first one that comes to mind <laughs> <laughs> because are you kidding me? <laughs> the Whirly Gig Saw, look at it. <laughs> but uh you know i think an overlooked weapon is the beast hunter safe from the dlc i think mm-hmm. that weapon has like the genius has the genius of the saw cleaver but it has that like lunging first attack and it has the uh, the more scythe like uh trick weapon mode and i think that that's definitely an overlooked weapon maybe i'm just weird and i like that opening draw 
of that uh, lunge to just like close in on the enemy. Maybe that's just me, but I think that's definitely up there too. Um, of course, the hunter's axe was a uh, was definitely a fan favorite in the beginning. But I think the threaded cane is also visually ex- stunning. I think the design of that is so cool. I think each weapon, when you transform it, I think that little initial animation of the uh, of the threaded cane, like stomping it on the ground and then like whipping it into the whip mode, is so cool. It's Dude, one of my I favorite things in the game, like period. Like the the stomping when it stomping it into the ground to put it back into a cane form specifically is like one of the favorite one of my favorite animations in the game. Dude, it's so satisfying and it's this tiny inconsequential thing. Like it's just this little like canned animation every single time of just like and stomp. That's god, it's so satisfying. Dude, I could talk about just the weapons of Bloodborne for like it just feels like days. Right now, I'm definitely not in a in the right mindset because I'm like, I'm, I'm a little nervous and I got all these notes in front of me and my brain is just like scattered right now. But man, Bloodborne and its weapons are, Oh my God, the combat in that game. Oh man. Just, <laughs> just kill me. The, uh, what was it like exploring that game again? But specifically because it's you went into you try to go in as blind as possible and, mm-hmm. and try to, you know, finding Kanehurst is, is not, particularly easy like somebody told me what to do and i was like i still can't find the the this purple thing that you're telling me to go to and him like i have no idea what you're talking about uh what, yeah. what was that process like are you did you find the letter and you're like okay i know this has to do something so i'm gonna go explore the world until i, I figure out what it is yeah so again like dark souls one i was just enveloped by the game and again i had so much time on my hands to just play it and i do have a, a funny story if we can get into that about uh my the job I was holding at that time when I was playing through uh, Bloodborne. But again, it was just I had so much time to just do everything. And at that point, I was even more enveloped by Bloodborne than I was Dark Souls 1, that I was reading even more item descriptions and going through every nook and cranny with a fine-tooth comb, doing everything I could to get every little bit of enjoyment I could out of that game because I was having an enormously good time, like unnaturally so. I, w- I could just walk around the world and do nothing and still have like the best time I've ever had in a game. And at that point I was, I was reading every item description and doing every single thing I could to just get every last drop out of it. And again, it it took a lot of banging my head against the wall, but finding that stuff by yourself and like going back to, uh, to the starting area and finding what's her name. God, my brain, I feel like I'm a, fake fan now can't remember every <laughs> little name and every little Yosefka thing. is I think it's who you're talking Yosefka. about Yosefka yeah yeah dude Yosefka Yosefka's clinic going back through there and like finding that um that shortcut that takes you all the way back to the beginning area from that underground like poison swamp area it's 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 also special finding all that stuff yourself that I I value that stuff so much that there was no way I was gonna let myself look up anything for a game that I already knew at that point was gonna just take over my my life. You know, I, I didn't want to spoil anything, and it's it's like what I do now for games. Like if something is really interesting me that much, I'm just gonna delete Twitter off my phone for a while so I don't have anything spoiled. I'm just gonna not go on the internet for a while or like not go and like in my gaming circles. You know, it's that stuff is so valuable to me that I I, I couldn't risk it with anything, and I was so. I was so into it and with Bloodborne, you know, I was, there was no chance of me spoiling anything. So I just, I enjoyed every second of banging my head against that wall <laughs> as much as I could. What's the uh, funny story with the job that you were doing at the time? <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So I was uh, 18 
got my first job at good old Wally World Walmart. Um, I was just killing myself at that job, man. I wanted to prove myself. Uh, some personal stuff led me to getting that job a little bit earlier than I, I thought I would need to. Um, but I I was working my ass off. And I had what I consider to be the absolute worst job in that building, which was like unloading the trucks as they came in and uh, stocking shelves after that, which doesn't sound that bad. But that first half of uh, unloading the trucks, it it just destroys your back and your hands. And at that point I was uh, stocking like chemical aisles. So my hands were just like burning up with all these like chemicals all over my hands. And uh, life was just, life was getting me down at that point. And uh, I was playing through Bloodborne and that was kind of keeping my spirits up, playing through the DLC, trying to get through Ludwig and uh, just couldn't do it. You know, I was, I woke up one day and I was like, okay, I'm going to beat Ludwig today before going to work. Um, it's like, it's just a game. It's just a boss. I love this game so much. I don't mind uh, farming for blood vials after I run out because obviously you're going to run out fighting Ludwig. You're just going to go through your entire backlog of vials because that boss is just so unrelentingly difficult. And uh, after after a good four hours of unsuccessful attempts and it was getting closer and closer to uh, my shift, I decided I was just going to quit I was just going to quit my job. I I decided that I was going to quit my job because I couldn't beat a Bloodborne boss. Oh my god, <laughs> saying it back sounds so stupid. <laughs> I quit my job for a Bloodborne <laughs> boss. I, I, dude, I didn't even call in. I just didn't go. Oh my god, that's so embarrassing thinking about it now. Dude, I have, I, it was sometime in April. I can't even remember what year. I'm literally going to turn my PS4 on right now because it took a screenshot when I got the achievement. I know what day I quit my job for a fucking video game. That's extremely hilarious. <clears throat> Dude, it's really not. It's the most embarrassing thing I think I could ever tell another human being. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I can't even imagine did they the did they did they fire in. you no well <laughs> what counts as firing it firing when you when you just decide to not go in so you Please just never you just never went back to that walmart again is what i'm hearing <laughs> like you just I like never, nope i'm just never, i'm always gonna be i'm just a target man from now on <laughs> dude i just didn't go i saying it back i sound like such an idiot i just didn't call in i didn't go back I just stayed home. I beat Ludwig, so uh, something good came out of it. Mission accomplished. If you can, <laughs> mission accomplished for sure. And now the Bloodborne DLC is like my favorite thing ever. So I guess you just trade things, cer- certain things off. But yeah, I I was beating, trying to beat Ludwig, banging my head against that horrible little horseman, and uh, it just kept creeping closer and closer and closer of when I had to start take a shower get dressed go to walmart and i i was just not having it that day and i just didn't go in nobody even like contacted me like i didn't even get a call from anybody maybe they had seen it coming this kid that was just completely depressed working at this horrible company and maybe they just saw it coming i don't know but that is okay here we go bloodborne i can look old hunters Oh my god, this is so embarrassing. Defeat the beast that was once Ludwig, the Holy Blade. Uh, 
2016 at 10:59 a.m. And at that time, <laughs> I was working like 12 to uh, 12 to like 10ish. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, it's so embarrassing. Wow, there it is. I'm Jesus I'm, I'm really curious how uh, like after becoming this enamored with Bloodborne and after spending this much time with it, like what was it like when Dark Souls three came out? Like were you were, were you just as excited as you had been previously when a Souls game was coming up, or like how what was that what was that process like with playing that for the first time? Oh man, um, yeah, wow, uh, Dark Souls three. It's uh, actually a pretty unfortunate story because uh, by that time, it had been so many years since Dark Souls 1 and my initial experience with that, that I was I was growing a little tired of the formula. You know, even though I loved Dark Souls 1 and Bloodborne so much, I was growing tired of the formula and I, I felt like I had had enough of what Dark Souls gave to you as a player um i was still excited for it you know it's another dark souls game i love FromSoft. i think they make well-designed games that i could i could play forever but um i i just got a little i was a little burnt out you know and then on top of that dark souls 1 being so reminiscent of uh or dark souls 3 rather being so reminiscent of dark souls 1 it feels like that game just drip feeds you references to dark souls 1 that that on top of me being tired of it just kind of it was like bloodborne was for me the perfect storm but in the bad way you know it was like okay i I get it guys are we really fighting ornstein again like are we really going through this again um and i like that game a lot for what it is but at that point i i had just been so burnt out on on what those games gave you and i i don't dislike it per se but I definitely don't hold it anywhere near the Dark Souls 1 or Bloodborne or maybe even Dark Souls 2. I don't know how, how similar other people feel with this. I, I know a lot of people really love that game because it is so similar to Dark Souls 1 and they felt Dark Souls 2 and maybe even Bloodborne kind of was a disservice to what Dark Souls 1 was. But man, uh, I, I feel like there has to be some people like me that feel similar. Do you feel that way? Like, What are your thoughts on Dark Souls 3? It's pretty contentious for me. Yeah, it's um, it's. I feel like it's one of the best playing out of the trilogy. Um, like it just feels Definitely. really great to to move through the world. Um, feels great. The uh, but I, I was similar to you, and I, I and I made the mistake too because I was so like I I was doing a podcast at the time, and like we wanted to do a big spoiler mm-hmm. cast on it, things like that. So like I I really like yeah. pushed myself to finish that game really really fast, including all of the DLCs and everything as those started rolling out, and uh, and by the end I was sent in a similar way just burn out on it and i was like yeah this this has not been fun um and even now like when i think about going back to it i think about playing the first couple of areas and like maybe into the Mm -hmm. cathedral but i'm less interested than in anything in the back half of that game so it's especially the ending and all this other stuff like it's been it's been kind of fascinating watching the the cut content stuff go out and see just how like mixed up that game got right before development and how how many things had changed so i don't know yeah, like um, i you know when i think about going back to to play the series now it's always it's almost always dark souls one or bloodborne for me like that's just where i go so definitely man definitely and like i said i i agree so much with that like i was just so burnt out and i value and appreciate that game for what it did because like you said it is so it feels so good to play like i i value stuff like that so much too but 
man, I was like, okay, I get it. It's Dark Souls again. I, I can just go play Dark Souls 1 if I want this again, you know? But I do like that game for what it did. Uh, the DLC is great. Um, FromSoft obviously knows how to make a good game and a good DLC at that. So they're definitely knocking that stuff out of the park still. But at that point, I was just like, yeah, it's more Dark Souls, which I love. But how 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 much more of the same thing can you get drip fed before you just kind of get sick of it? Well, that leads us into a, a into my, my usual last question, which is uh, like, what would you yeah. want to see from From Software in the future? Like, they've they released Daracine uh, or Daracine, uh, which is like a weird VR. <laughs> you are a fairy exploring a a school of dead kids, basically. Oh my god! Um, and then they, you know, obviously we have Secura right up on the horizon. Like that's coming out pretty quick. Uh, what do you? <sighs> Like, what's your ideal from software game at this point? Like, how? Uh, wh- what would you like for them to do? Wow. Um, okay. Uh, I think FromSoft deciding to make Bloodborne rather than Dark Souls Three at that time is the best decision that they've made as a company, other than making Demon Souls, I guess, uh, because that that path that they took, stopping making Dark Souls and doing Bloodborne, which is its own thing. Uh, really just invigorated me about the series again. Um, and it's, I'm really sick of this like sequel culture where everybody's begging for the next one. I want the next Dark Souls. I want The Witcher 4. I want, I want everything. I want the new of the last thing I just had. And I think them making Bloodborne was such a genius decision going down like a new path. And I think them doing that again with Sekiro is exactly what I want. Sekiro is turning out to be the exact game I want FromSoft to make. I'm tired of the Dark Souls formula. I'm tired of doing the same thing over and over again. As much as I enjoy that thing like in a vacuum, I want them to make new interesting things with new interesting mechanics. I want new IPs. I want something that is Sekiro. And it's it's turning out to be exactly what I want. It's not like Dark Souls. And people seem to have disdain for that because they love dark souls so much but you wouldn't have dark souls or demon souls if fromsoft didn't make the change from the games they were making before they made those games like them making a new thing is exactly what i'm looking for and i'm going into that game completely blind i've seen like the teaser trailer and that's it like i barely know what that game looks like i maybe i've seen like screenshots scrolling through twitter but that's it and I think that's what we all need right now. We all need them to prove to us that they can make another genius game like they did Demon Souls and Dark Souls 1 and Bloodborne. And them going down that road again is exactly what I'm looking for, man. It's I'm so I'm so pumped for Sekiro. I cannot wait to have another game that just completely envelops me like it. I have been in the past with Bloodborne and Dark Souls 1. I think them doing this and not making Dark Souls 4 is just genius when they could so easily make dark souls 4 and just appease the fans you know it's it's from software is really going down a really good road with this i think and i think i think if sekiro doesn't get a sequel that's even better i think what they did with bloodborne making it its own focused little ball of energy like it's just off and separate from dark souls and it's just its own enveloped little thing is just perfect and i'm I'm enamored with Sekiro so far. I, I cannot wait. I hope everybody feels the same, man. Yeah, I think um, most of the people that I've talked to uh, are are very excited about From Software doing you know 
um, in a way doing something new, but also going back to their roots. Like this feels very much like Tenchu 2.0. Um, yes. And I, I think that's, you know, just, a, a just diverting from their, from their souls formula, I think has a lot of people excited. Um, and, and it's, and they've been doing a really good job of getting out in front and being like, yeah, this is not a, a, a souls game. Like, please don't treat it like that. Don't try not to play it like that. So I'm excited. That makes like, me I, so happy. I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna take a couple of days off work and probably mainline that game, and because <laughs> so, I'm I'm just so excited Definitely. for it. It deserves it, man. They know how to make a damn good game, and I think they they know what they're doing with this one. They're not making Dark Souls again, and I'm so pumped, so pumped for them, so happy for them that they have the freedom to not just sit there and make fan service all day. Like they can do new interesting things, and that's obviously what they're good at. I mean, here we are talking about this like relatively small series of games and we're going to be doing this shit for an, the next couple of years like it's dark souls and D- bloodborne and demon souls they're just these unending f- fountains of like stories and information and stuff and i think sekiro can be another one of those games if people just give it the chance and they don't beg for more dark souls you know well tyler thank you so much for uh coming on the podcast and and telling us all about your 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 history with the series i've very much appreciate it this has been no a lot problem. of fun yeah dude wow that time flew by jesus <laughs> it, oh my god it's like i stepped into a time warp uh yeah that, that that's podcasting for you like that's what happens oh every my time. god <laughs> yeah that's amazing jesus where can you uh be found on the internet should people try to seek you out uh i don't really have any like public things i don't really create anything but uh um my girlfriend has been pushing me to do something like that so maybe i'll i'll have a podcast or i'll make some videos or something i have a stack of sticky notes here probably a mile high in my desk uh that have little notes of little topics i'd like to talk about or maybe videos i'd like to make so uh yeah i'm not i'm not really a public figure but maybe you'll see me around cool i'll let you know well, thank you once again for guesting. This this has been great. Yeah, no problem, man. Thank you. I completely forgot that I even emailed you <laughs> two years ago, and getting your reply years later, it's it, it was great. It was, yeah, uh, my my backlog is absolutely ridiculous. I can't. I oh, can't, I can imagine. Yeah, it's it's so dumb, but you know, it's just it's just the nature of the beast, I guess. Oh yeah, definitely, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. As always, I've been your host, Jeremy Greer. You can find me on Twitter at JG Greer. You can find the podcast at don'tgiveupskeleton.com. That has links to the previous episodes. It has links to a merch store if you want to put a skelly on your belly. It also has links to the Patreon. Uh, by the time this comes out, Sekiro would have been out, and my new Patreon-exclusive project will would have been announced. So uh, I, have, I have often threatened to go back through and re-interview previous guests and kind of do a retrospective version of this podcast. And if you are interested in hearing something like that, you can hit up patreon.com slash don'tgiveupskeleton for all of those details. Um, thank you everybody for listening and sharing the podcast and talking about it and guesting and all of that stuff. It's, it's very, very much appreciated. I'll be back next week with another good guest. Uh, and until then, remember, don't give up skeleton. Don't give up. Uh, We're good. Wow. Thank you, dude. That was easy.